Today on episode 65, I chat with my friend and colleague, David Lamont. In this episode, David and I talk about his new book, but also, and more importantly, about chickens, parenting, and how humbling it can be standing next to a rock star. If this is your first time meeting David, be prepared to meet a genuinely good human being who is making a difference in the world and encouraging the rest of us to do the same. Please keep in mind that we recorded this way back in September, which in world events years is a lifetime. Thanks for being here. Grab a beverage, pull up a chair, and enjoy listening to my conversation with David Lamont. My name is Bruce Reyes Chow, and this is BRC and Friends. Each episode, my co-host and I chat with activists, artists, academics, and adventurers to discuss politics, faith, pop culture, technology, and as you will discover, pretty much everything that pops into our heads. This is basically an excuse for us to hang out with friends and colleagues and riff about things that matter. Welcome to BRC and Friends. Uh, today, I'm really excited. Uh, friends and colleague uh, David Lamont is joining me for a chat about all kinds of things, about his new book, but also about life. And we're going to get to a lot of different things. Uh, so welcome uh, to uh, BRC and Friends. Uh, again, if it's the first time listening, my name is Bruce. I am uh, the main host here, and I'm in uh, San Jose, California. I use he, him pronouns, and I kind of make my way through the world writing and pastoring and uh, doing this. So I'm glad you all have joined us uh, today. You're gonna. Um, this is. I'm, I've been looking so forward to this conversation with David, who I've known for a long time now. Uh, David, would love if you can introduce yourself to folks. Thanks, Bruce. It's really good to see you. And um, yes, I'm David Lamott. I live in the mountains of Western North Carolina in a town of about nine thousand people called Black Mountain. And uh, ironically, there are lots of white folks here, but um, that's that's where I live with my wife and my kid and a little dog, and um, six chickens, and I use he, him pronouns. Six chickens. I want to get chickens, um, but my wife is mean. And and probably... Probably wise. Uh, there are a lot of things that. Well, we just got back from Australia, and I desperately wanted to bring a kangaroo back, but Robin's uh-huh. like, I, th- I, I think we can't do that. I'm like, oh. yeah, man. Practical people are just. I know. Hard. I'm oh, married to gosh. one of those two. Um, oh. But yeah, yeah. I really, I love the chickens. They're not. Yeah. Don't go into it thinking it's a good investment. Oh, I know. It's not going to save you money on <laughs> eggs, but um, but it's they're really sweet. I just yeah. like them, and I have to say the eggs are much higher quality than anything I could buy at the grocery store. So well it's it's so interesting when you travel to places that use that the food industry is different and how much mm-hmm. like eggs look and taste different. Yeah. And totally better. true. Totally true. Yeah. In Australia, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's 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 wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some friends. I have a friend actually who is apparently doing a live Instagram uh, today whenever we're recording this, uh, with a bunch of chicken people and they're all getting on and to talk about their chickens and she right says on. it's super ridiculous but they love it and uh yeah i i think chickens are kind of one of those things where it's like that seems like a, such a great idea and then you get into it and it's like oh it's like a lot of work <laughs> and you're not saving money yeah, you're probably well, losing money <laughs> i gotta say though the once you get it ramped up it's really not all that much work and we've we've had them for like eight years we've we're pretty so do you, now so do you get attached like how because how long do chickens live and or how long are they i don't want to say useful but like how long are they yeah laying productive, and like, um, productive yes is a, is a good what, clinical yeah well, how does I, like, I would just be sad all the time yeah so they do like sort of 
four or five years is how ours oh. tend to run. People say okay. three. That's um, a long time. But but actually, I saw a news story the other day that somebody had a 20-year-old chicken. Oh, so, um, <laughs> wow. Um, but they definitely only lay for about three years. Um, okay. So so our particular flock is slowing down a little bit, but yeah. we're going to have them forever. And, you know, we have them till they get old and die. And, and okay. then we bury them in the yard and get new ones. And, um, yeah, they're, they're kind of sweet. I'll tell you a, a, an interesting thing about my experience with chicken farming is that um, <laughs> we could go about oh, we could I know, just, exactly. We, could we will get to the book. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I, um, maybe you should join my friend in their chicken conversation. Cause so, <laughs> yeah, but, but did I get on the wrong podcast? Sorry. Yeah, look at um, me. At me. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So when we first got chickens, we got a broad variety of chickens, right? And they all right. look different and they lay different color eggs. And it's pretty cool. You know, you get a bowl full of eggs and they're all different colors. It's just very nice. Um, but uh, our most recent ones, we decided we'd be all practical. And, and Mason, um, my kid, is the chicken farmer in the family and makes mm. the, the big decisions. So this time we decided we would be practical and get good layers. And we just got six that look alike. Uh. And the problem is you can't name them and like get to know them and like unless you want to put little <laughs> rings on their feet and the, the 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 I suppose there are differences, but they're super subtle, right? Right, right. Um, so. Uh, I'm less attached to this flock than oh, any flock we've ever had. We've had several flocks, but these don't all have names and, and personalities that I discern as easily because in the, for the earlier chickens, for real, they have personalities and you get, oh, sure. some of them are happy to sit on your lap and cuddle. And some of them are, um, you know, a little tougher or tougher on the other ones. And yeah. Some are dominant, some are submissive. You see all kinds of things. But <laughs> these guys, they're all, these ladies, I should say, are all um, are all the same. So well, that's to me. That's awesome. Well, welcome to the episode of What the Cluck, my new podcast uh, <laughs> on uh, chickens, apparently. Oh, <laughs> that's where we're headed. I hear you also write books and do music and all kinds of things. Uh, I do some stuff. You do some yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have, uh, who knew that we would kind of be in this kind of kindred space of just doing lots of different things i mean it's yeah we, sh we should talk about that at some point but you have a new book that has just kind of come out um you are changing the world whether you like it or not um slightly uh, cheeky yeah. and, but you know when i um saw the title uh and full disclaimer uh dave and i are part of the same uh publishing group chalice press who we love and yeah. just um uh great 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 place go to their sites and buy all their books. Um, I was like, that's very much a David Lamont title. Like it felt like genuine <laughs> to who you are. Um, and, and I can, uh, I can tell you why you're amazing later, but um, tell us about the book. Um, you, this is not your first one. So um, how did this come about? Um, what's the what's the pitch? Small, you know. Tell tell me yeah. about the book okay. a little bit. I'll tell you a little bit about the book. I will say before, as preface, that um, I listened to your uh, um, Enneagram podcast, and I uh, had to own my apparent foreness. I've never really gone oh. in there, but but authenticity. You know, you just said authentic. That's a really high metric for me, and means a lot. So thank you for that. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, the book is called You Are Changing the World Whether You Like It or Not. It is a, a new edition of a book that I published about six years ago, seven years ago maybe. And a lot of things have happened in the last six or seven years that I don't know if you've noticed, Bruce, but a few things <laughs> went on in the world since then. That's very and, normal. Yeah, exactly. And so I, um, I kind of got uh, I, I wanted to revisit some of the ideas. I wanted to expand on some things. I realized some things I missed in the first edition. And I fell into a conversation with um, our friend, Deb Arca. I think you you know mm -hmm. Deb. Um, yep. And um, I was asking her for some tips on some things. I just had set up a meeting with her because I wanted to pick her brain about a couple things. And I um, did not anticipate the the conversation going the way it did, but as we talked about the book, she said, you know, we'd love to have that in our house. And I said, um, sure, I'll send you a copy. And then I realized, oh, she meant publishing house, right? That's cool. <laughs> and it hadn't, hadn't even occurred to me that anybody would be interested in, in taking a look at this book. Um, but I, I was really excited about that. And, and the truth is, I feel like the ideas are at least as relevant now as they were then. Um, perhaps much more so. And so, um, yeah, I think it's an important set of ideas to lay out there. With all that said, um, the idea is, the, the fundamental idea of the book is that as a culture, and I'm, I'm speaking to U.S. culture because it's the one I know best. I think this sure. is to some degree true in other cultures, but less so in, in some. At any rate, in, in U.S. culture, I think uh, we have an addiction to a narrative of change that is both incorrect and ubiquitous. Mm. So the big question is, look, we want to see big changes. How does that happen? Mm -hmm. Culturally, we have an answer for that question. And I think it's wrong. And I think it's everywhere. And the answer is what you need is somebody really special to do something really dramatic in a moment of crisis. And that's how you fix the problem, and then you roll the credits. Mm -hmm. And that's not only the subject of almost all of our entertainment, or the plot line, I should say, of, of almost all our entertainment, but it's also how we teach history. It's sometimes yeah. how we teach theology. That's a whole mm -hmm. other conversation. We'll go there. Um, but I think that's wrong. I think when mm -hmm. we look at history, I cannot find an example in all of history where one person has affected large-scale change in the absence of a movement. Right. What changes things is movements, which by definition means a lot of us doing a little bit each. Mm -hmm. But we, I think, are so, so infected by hero narratives that there are several outcomes from this. One, that we feel powerless. I'm not Gandhi, what am I supposed to do, right? Right. And, and two, that we outsource the change to other people. We expect other people to fix it for us. And our role in the hero narrative, if we're not the hero, and I don't wake up most days feeling particularly heroic, our role is to clap. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's yeah. a pretty sweet gig. I like that one. So, so there's something really convenient about the hero narrative. And, and the, the thing that I'm arguing in the book is that this is – the kind of cultural narrative that we absorb our whole lives to the degree that even if we easily reject it intellectually, we're still infected. Yeah. Like racism or any number of other problematic uh, patterns in our society and in, in humanity, 
once you realize there's a problem, that's just step one, right? Like deprogramming yourself from a lifetime of soaking in this is a lifelong excursion. So, so that's really, it's looking at, at historical examples of ways that we tell uh, stripped down stories of movements and make them into hero stories right. in order to make them more palatable for ourselves. And the syllogism we end up with is heroes change things. I'm not a hero. Therefore, I don't change things. Right. Oh, and we, you know, Americans love that kind of independence, like the person who strikes out on their own and does oh, yeah. this amazing thing. I mean, we just rugged just individualism, rugged individualism. It, I mean, it's yeah. like, right. Oh, it's yeah. No, that's, that's, I think that's probably the takeaway from this book well, and, and previous, but is that whole idea that we're we're all peacemakers? We're all, you know, that this lower lowercase hero thing, right? That we're we're all part of this, and that there's responsibility and work in that. Like it's yeah, it's exactly. uh, right. it's also not something you just kind of like. Oh, I'll do a little bit, but it's actually no, you're taking your place in the movement seriously. Yeah, and um, I, I mean, I would say yes, and to the last mm-hmm. part, Bruce, right? Because yeah. like. It's also trying to give people an achievable path into the work, right? And I think, like, yes, we take it very seriously, but actually the way you start anything meaningful is by doing just a little bit, right? And you see how that goes, and you get more connected, and maybe you're drawn into doing more. And my my sister, uh, Kathy, years ago got kind of interested in in a – because she was troubled by the brokenness of our death penalty system. And she started digging more and more into that. And she ended up, she had a pen pal who was on death row and got to know him fairly well. And she ended up becoming a paralegal. And then Mm. at some point said, you know what? Um, I just need to do this. And at age 50, she went to Cornell law and got a law degree. Wow. And now she's a public defender. Right. But step one (laughs) was pen pal and reading some articles. Right. And so it, it is, sometimes those lead to bigger things, but even if they don't, it matters to be the pen pal, right? The small things actually do matter. Right. Well, because I think that, right, we could fall into that trap that every path we take has to lead to something great. (laughs) Which it clearly does not. Which it doesn't, right. I mean, it's like, maybe I, can I just be okay with this part? Because I think we also have this, you know, narrative of if you're not, producing and increasing and you know kind of building something yeah. then you're obviously not being successful or whatever that right. may mean right. as well which yeah what you're getting at yeah and i think and with our cultural like with our social responsibilities to each other which is a thing and we need to acknowledge and mm-hmm. and take that seriously i also am very careful when i'm talking to audiences to try to remember that um as we talk about this you know, political work and social work and, and work that's connectional and, and beyond ourselves and beyond our front doors. It's also really important. If you're caring for a sick relative, you are part of the movement, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to live in a world where people take care of their people mm-hmm. and you're, and all of your time and energy is taken up with taking care of your people right now, yeah. bless you. Thank you yeah. for helping to create that world, right? It, and it's enough. Like yeah. I want, I want to, I want to just affirm that that's that's how this is your part of the work of loving the world right now. You know, right. uh, yeah. I think that question about what is enough, and actually taking that question 
to give ourselves permission to actually answer it and to be okay with not this kind of, uh, yeah. you know, you know, uh, super productive. Like there's never enough. Cause I actually think a lot of places would always just say, would never be able to say there's never enough. Right. And, right, right. and, 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 it, and would see it as limiting for me to say, actually, this is enough. When yeah. in fact, I think what you're saying is no, actually there's, there's some liberation in claiming that space. And, to and say in the end, enough. Yeah, in the end, I think it, that's for all of us to, oh, yeah. to determine for ourselves, right? But mm -hmm. I, I can't map my demands onto somebody else, right? right? Like, if if this, and I, and I believe that there is a toxic ideology sometimes in movement work that martyrdom is really the way to go. This yeah. is our best pattern for um, oh yeah for for saving the world, right? And yeah. and I think, you know, the world may need a few martyr martyrs, but very few. It's often yeah. not our most effective strategy for for helping, for making things better. Yeah. Often if, if you can stay martyrs. in the work, <laughs> right, we're all gone. <laughs> yeah. And 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 if we all end up completely bitter and and broken, like I'm not sure that made the world a better yeah. place. Yeah. Well, I, I do think there is this thing where we all uh, like the version of movement making that we like. And if anybody else yep. does it differently, right. then that's that's not, I mean, I, you know, I think that's a, how, how do we deeply appreciate, but also examine and hold accountable all the different ways that we engage in this work because mm -hmm. uh, it, it is a, is a difficult task. I mean, because we we don't like nuance in the world. I mean, no. it's nuance doesn't nuance is hard. It's really it's hard. hard. Like, it's just hard. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. it's I get it, I get mm -hmm. it, but that's that's not sustainable. Well, so um, what's been the reception so far? I mean, you know, how how has this been going, and how have you been hearing it? Yeah, it's been pretty beautiful. I've gotten mm -hmm. some lovely emails from folks that uh, have written as they're working through the book. They they mm -hmm. kind of write at different points in the book and say, okay, so here's what I'm thinking about now. And they're like, okay, great. It's really fun to hear from folks who are, uh, who are kind of checking in in that way. There are several um, churches who are starting book groups mm -hmm. um, around around the book, and that's, that's fun. I'm just, uh, man, goodness gracious, Bruce, you're a writer. You know what I'm struggling with here but writing the study guide i think was harder than writing the book and it's 19 pages long yeah. and and um it's not out yet like yeah. <laughs> i'm getting final reviews on it right now from a few friends before right. i send it in but um man that was really hard so I, and the book i should say is secular um right. i wanted it to be able right. to be used in public schools and universities and such which the first edition was quite a bit um but the study guide is for churches, so right. it fills back in all the theology that was kind of hard for me to leave out that, when that, I was writing that, it. That's that's so funny that my book with uh, with Chalice uh, in defense of kindness was secular. Yeah, yeah and, I love that and, book. And I've the, I, that book. The, I think we blurbed for each other. Yeah. This is what uh -huh. we do. Yes. <laughs> so, but I mean, I think that whole was like trying to get it. Folks wanted to keep going. Well, you didn't talk about faith very much. I'm like, well, I did. If you know who I am, right. but yes, I I remember getting my right. first edit version back and like. This is super churchy. I'm like, oh, is it? Huh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I didn't even like language or phrases. Yeah, it right. was it was fascinating uh to, to do that. Um what's the I'm just curious, like what's the hate mail? Anything? Um, not lately. I haven't yeah. been getting so much hate mail yet. We'll see. Um it'll yeah. be fascinating to see. Um I, I have, you know, I got some I got some pushback on White Flower, the book, the kids' mm -hmm. book that I did sure. years ago. Sure. About oh, that. that's so good. That's the an art. Plant, 
Thank yeah. you. The Klan rally that's met by a clown rally, which is a that's true right. story, happened in 2007 in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I put it to rhyme and took a few minor liberties in the telling of it, um, but basically told the story of, a, of what Walter Wink would call a third way response, you know, creative mm -hmm. nonviolence. Right. And I just think it's important to tell those stories. When somebody yeah. does something really smart and successful, we need to tell that story so we can learn from it. Um, okay. And I did have some people push back on that book, but but then Essence Magazine listed it as one of 11 books to te talk to your kids about racism. And oh. I was like, you know, I'm good. I'm gonna, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm okay. <laughs> like, you know, that, 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 I'm, I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not in it for the awards, if, if but I'll take if that If y'all are good, yeah, if y'all are good with this, I'm okay. Right? <laughs> you know? so, well, I, mean, I was like, how do you, I just am fascinated by people who would sit down and be like, Oh, this peacemaking and healing stuff is yeah. terrible. Well, well, actually, let me let me yeah, give yeah, yeah. credit to the let me give it credit to the critique, uh, the the one that I'm thinking about in particular. Oh, okay. um, somebody who had been in the work for a long time. Oh, okay. Uh, said, "Look, the drawings of the clan in that book. Oh, you know, these people are scary, and there's nothing funny about this, right?" Oh, and I'm like, "Okay, I hear that. Yes." And did you humanize what, them too? Was that the idea? Like, well, what, like... what I was trying to do was make fun of them in the in the, in oh, the right. drawings, okay. right? So the drawings make them look rather ridiculous, right? Right, and that was I was trying to take the power away hmm. from their established iconography, right? Mm, right, and, right. And so, um, uh, and I think we did that. And I think actually, when I said that back to her, she kind of got it, but she still, but still didn't, didn't love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I get it. This is somebody yeah, well, yeah, who's been up against certainly... the clan in in very tangible ways. And right. I've encountered those folks a couple times myself, but I'm I'm generally uh, not in the way that she had. Right. And I I honor her story. And different lives teach different lessons. So oh, sure. Like I I get that. Right. And I still think I can stand behind this. I right. think it's a good thing. Multiple ways of being part of the. Or the movement. I mean, yeah, that's, that's so right. You, so um, all the links for the book and stuff will be in there. Go get it and all that. But, um, you know, we share some other things in common, like we're parents and all that. How, how yeah. do you, you know, it's one thing for us to be out there talking about all the things we believe in and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But how do you begin to pass some of that down? I mean, what's been your experience with, um, you know, I think our children, uh like, I'm not surprised that your child is a musician, right? I mean, folks would be like, oh, like yeah. it's surrounding him. Yeah. It's all this. I mean, but all yeah. these other things, um, you know, I, I don't want to be a how do you do it, but what? how have you experienced parenting and trying to pass on and live yeah. these things with your child? Oh, man, it's hard, as mm -hmm. you know. Um, and and I, I'll say I, I grew up in a house with a pastor for a dad and – um, a lot of focus on what the world needs and mm -hmm. yeah. you know the balancing time was a struggle for my dad and mm -hmm. I watched that <laughs> and I learned some things and I and I've fallen right into some of the same traps and I um, and and in other ways I haven't you know mm -hmm. so I, I, I did learn some things I think but man parenting is hard it is not for the faint of heart it is um, it is serious work and I'm Learning a lot from my kid. We are two weeks into high school. Oh, what? What? Yeah, we are two weeks into high school. <laughs> People listening to this, know. you know, you're going to be like, that you're lying. That cannot yeah. be. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so that's where we are. And, <laughs> and 
and I don't want to tell Mason's story for sure. Mason because right. um, I want to. I really want right. to honor that. But um, uh, you know, I I am I'm learning a lot, and I'm yeah. and I'm grateful. Yeah, and it's hard, and that's you know, and, and it's <laughs> and it's awesome, and I, and I'm not sure what else to say. I guess right. here's what here's what I'll say. Um, early this summer, right after school got out. Um, I took Mason on the road with me for 10 days to do gigs as my roadie and merch dude. Okay. And it was so much fun. Uh We just had a blast. And one of Mason's responsibilities, Mason will get um, a learner's permit in a couple of months here. um, But at this point could not help with the driving. So Mason's job was to DJ. Okay. And I love this kid's musical taste. Uh, good thing broad and deep and and wide you know it's just it's lovely listened to so much good work a good music on that trip and laughed a lot and um you know it you know what's fun i learned on this trip it's fun to sing bg songs as a bass like just sing them as low as you can <laughs> that's fun i'm just here to tell you that's awesome. so that's did fun. you ever have a moment so in our family so we have three three kids and yeah we're, we're maybe Through about my door yep. six six years ahead i, I don't remember how long. so one is 27 26 no they're not yeah yeah our oldest is 26 abby just graduated from college and then annie is a junior um but mm. our thing is is bad there are times where uh, Ev, our oldest, is always like, you would have never let me listen to this. Right, yes. And I'm like, well, that's true, but now we're old and lazy and tired, so we get to listen to whatever. <laughs> and I, and, 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 uh, yeah. But there are, there are times where Rob and I look at each other like, this is not music. Like, you know, like, right, sure. You sure. Get the, yeah. Did you have any of those moments where you're like, what, what is this? Or are you, are you pretty open to whatever? Well, I- I'm pretty open to a lot of things, but I'm also, uh, but we, our tastes are pretty aligned. Generally. Oh yeah. So okay. it's, um, it's really okay. Uh, yeah. it, and you know, that may diverge yet, but, um, but Mason's really knowledgeable about, you know, <laughs> everything from Aretha Franklin to, uh, I mean, Mason likes more like Sinatra more than I do. Um, that's, that's a thing that, mm. you know, is a little bit of a dividing line, but, um, <laughs> But you know that's where we are. It's not like if, death if metal that's the big or, conflict. Right, I think exactly, uh, we're we're right. we're fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, that's yeah. awesome. Well, that's yeah, good. Pretty, I, I remember my my um, uh, like all of our kids are moving into spaces where I don't think folks will be surprised. One just started a full time job as a labor organizer as for Great. union. One's yep. working on. Uh, uh, a, a research project on how American youth soccer upholds um, uh, empire. Um, the other ones, <laughs> wow. I mean, it's just love mm-hmm. the stuff yeah. they're doing. So folks are not surprised. But I, the the work thing is very interesting. One of my kids said to me, because um, I think this like this generation of twenty somethings like have a very different understanding of work and how mm-hmm. much they're going to value what they do and yeah. Um, and they're like, we're just not going to do what you did. Like we've seen yeah. how how you are. Yep. Like, well, I okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> or would, yeah. Like, or they like, right. t- you know take too many jobs, and they're like, well, we learn from the best, Dad. I'm like, yes, you okay. did. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna just receive that uh-huh. exactly, exactly. Like, yep. Got got nothing, got nothing. Yeah, it's uh, it is. It was, uh, we have just a friend who just had a kid, and it's like it it, ne- it never gets easier. It just gets different. 
It yeah. just gets different every every time. I and mean, we're at different things throughout this whole thing. But but we're empty nesters now. So That's uh, remarkable. Oh, it's lovely. I mean, we love our kids and you've met them. Yeah. We love hanging out with them yep. and they're lovely humans, but we're also like, sweet. Like we're just doing stuff now and yeah. uh now we just have our our dogs that we have to worry about uh yeah what do you do in music wise what's so to give people a little bit of history so i dave and i've known each other we might be on almost time. three decades it, yeah it that's what be. i was thinking probably between 25 and 30 years yeah. yeah it and and you can't you did it we met you at montreat conference center at one point and you were coming through the bay area uh, it and, might be more than 30 years. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, Bruce. I mean, yeah. you came, you came, yeah, we're, we might just be over because you, you were touring or something in the in California and you crashed and we were like, sure. And I think you crashed in our place for yep. a couple nights while you were doing gigs out here. And so yep. it's been a long time. And and and, and the, the what I tell you every time we're public or is that you were present at the birth of each of our children that that wow. was the the c i'm gonna get all weepy yeah that was the that cd that robin chose um oh my goodness that means so much to yeah me. the yeah. the ss bathtub played for at least two i don't remember how many of them but awesome. and so um yeah so you have a a, a very special place in our uh, in our world, um, and so music is always. I know you've you kind of got ebbs and flows, and you went away and studied yeah. and didn't gig as much and stuff. But what you, what's the music thing happening now? What are you doing? Yeah, well, I basically went a decade between records, um, but I put out my thirteenth one last summer, which is kind of wild to say. <laughs> and um, it and Bruce, I don't want to brag, but it's like. <laughs> Six, maybe six weeks, six months, I mean, uh, in the top 40 on the folk charts. And what that means is that it was heard by dozens of people. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, dozens. Like and a lot of dozens. Like, <laughs> and, and a lot of them liked it, right? So, um, yeah, a year ago now in September, I had the number one song on the folk charts. So, so where um, does folk chart? Where do they play that? Is that are they, what are they? What the yeah, music exactly? Industry, they, <laughs> um, like it can't just be radio anymore, right? It you is, know, it's it yeah, it's radio and streaming. All, it's radio all, all and streaming. Things. So there are folks who do folk shows around the country and in Canada and in right. the Netherlands and Germany and wherever, and um, a lot of them send in their playlists. And if you rank well on their playlists, then you get uh. on the charts. So it's just it's just a radio chart, and. Um, it's lovely. I don't mean to yeah, yeah, encourage no, these awesome. kind and wonderful people who are playing my record. That's really sweet. Um, but I also don't want to make it a bigger <laughs> deal than it really is. So um, at any rate, uh, it that was kind of fun. I've, I don't know that I've ever had number one anything before, and that was pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. And um, the song was called September Me, so it was very topical for September and yeah. did well that month. And uh, so now I am... I've, I've been writing a lot. I've written um, 40 songs in the last 40 months because oh, wow. because you have a Patreon page. Well, not I, anymore, but yes. I, 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 so, yes. so one of the things I do is I promise people That's right. a, a song a month on Patreon. Yeah. And that gives me the accountability to prioritize writing. I remember. So I, I'm, so I'm, a pat I, I'm a patron. If you are not a patron person, get on over there and, and uh, 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 pledge and, and support David, but also anybody else. I, I was on Patreon, but I realized yeah. that um, most of my 
content is written. Oh, and yeah. so I moved over to Substack. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And which right. makes total sense. Like, I just like, yeah. I was trying to, like, I'm, I'm following you and like Heather Lynn and some other people. And I'm like, I don't, like, my content is not as compelling as these creative people. So all the people I support are like artists of other genres. But yeah. Yeah. I saw that, that you were doing a song a month. I'm like, that yeah. seems so- like a lot. It is a lot. And it, I mean, for me, it's a lot. David Wilcox writes three songs a week. It's ridiculous. Sometimes three <laughs> songs a day. But, um, but, but me, I, I have been a, I've never been a prolific writer until November of 2019 when I launched Patreon and started writing <laughs> more often. And, right. um, boy, that was fortuitous timing four months before the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so, Anyway, that's that's been really beautiful. So I'm writing a lot. I'm I've got two compilation albums coming out in the next uh, oh. couple months that I'm on. Um, one of them I can't quite talk about yet. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not dropped, but it's yeah. it's really exciting. I get to be on this extraordinary compilation with a lot of my heroes as songwriters. Oh, awesome. There are 80 songs on this thing, and um, yeah, gosh, I want to talk about it. But anyway. Um, the other one is uh, I can talk about. It's called the Fine Tuned Music Project, and that's out of Western North Carolina, where they set up mentors, mentor pairs, basically with with musicians in the mountains here, generally across genre, and mm. asked folks to work together and create some art. Oh, and I worked with this young hammer dulcimer player who is actually the national hammer dulcimer champion. His name is Benjamin Barker. And Benjamin and I um, wrote a song together and recorded that, an instrumental song. And then we also, uh, he played on a song that I had already written. And both of those songs are on this new album. And that's uh, super exciting. It's coming that's out in awesome. a minute. It's called Fine Tuned. And that's fun. Yeah. yeah. I, collaborations are so interesting. I think that, oh, I mean, that, yes. that whole. I don't know if it's even a genre, but just kind of what like these different styles and people like doing things together. And I think it's, yeah, that's, that's cool. I mean, that's, that's one of the things my kids have definitely introduced me to even more. Like it's beyond just sampling and some other stuff, but just the way folks are doing things together now. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's pr- pretty awesome. I actually yeah. met a young uh, DJ from New York on a plane recently and realized that he was editing audio on his laptop while we were on the plane. And, and so I didn't bother him until we were touching down. He took his headphones out. I said, Hey, working on some music there, you know, and we started chatting and, and I'm going to send him some of my stuff. Oh yeah. Some stems in fact, so that he can create some club stuff from my music. I'm so stoked. Top top of the EDM chart. Really fun. Yeah, well, it's just it's really fun to collaborate, especially yeah. across across media or across genre. And actually, the most exciting thing I think I've done in the last year, um, other than the book coming out, um, was this project I did with Hannah Garrity, who's oh, yeah. a brilliant artist from Virginia mm-hmm. who you know well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hannah and I created a video for my song "Look Away," um, that. I feel really good about. I'm really proud of. Um, the song is, I, I wrote it long before Jason Aldean became uh, a headline, but it's it's basically my answer to that. Um, hmm. I I wanted to problematize here. I'll go all academic here for a second. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to 
problematize the conflation of <laughs> being Southern with supporting the Confederacy, mm. right? Which right. is all throughout Southern culture. And, mm -hmm. and it occurred to me at some point that the anthem of the Confederacy, Dixie, says in the chorus over and over and over again, they say the quiet part out loud. They say, look away, look away, look away. Mm. Which mm. is exactly what we've been doing for hundreds of years, right? Like, um, wow. And, and so I wanted to name that in my own song and kind of answer that. But I also acknowledge that it's really important to tell my own story and not other people's story, right? Sure. So I don't want to speak for anybody. Right. So I, the, the song starts out My grandfather's own grandfather walked home from the Civil War from Virginia to Columbia, SC. I don't know what made him join up. I don't know what he believed, but his legacy has passed right down to me. Way down south in the land of cotton, stories here are not forgotten, except when we'd prefer to look away. Rules were written to advantage, so the playing field is slanted, and that's how it is still working to this day. So the chorus says, mm. look away, look away. I can't mm. look away from history anymore. Mm. Oh. So that's that this is this is where that's going. And so I wrote the song quite intentionally in the southern rock genre, right? So it's a mm. southern rock song right. saying things you don't hear in that genre. And then we Hannah and I in creating the video took that even deeper and played with all these visual tropes that you see in southern rock and country videos that we wanted to employ to to create some questions right and right. we and and the entire video there's almost never fewer than three things on the screen at the same time and they're dissolving one's right. moving forward as one's moving back and so the whole thing is slightly disorienting and there's a story behind the story the whole right. time right and and we used images of all these really potent things in the video that come through really quickly and subtly and you kind of have to make sense of it yourself which right. is what good art ought to ask of you so well definitely uh folks listening to this the links in the in the show notes so make sure you take a I'm like right after we're done i'm gonna go watch it <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> and and we yeah. actually there was so much going on in it that we thought that for the people who want to take the deep dive we wanted them to have that opportunity so yeah. we created a, a web page that has the video and then it has the lyric and then uh -huh. it has hannah and i have a couple paragraphs of notes on it and then there's a time-coded um uh annotated video basically where you know at 17 seconds you see this image here's what it oh. means right like you can go through the whole video and read so it is as deep as folks want to go they right. can go there um, awesome. so that's that's at lookawayproject.com great awesome well definitely include it yeah. all so yes, all right collaboration <laughs> well uh we've already gone to 40 minutes my friend mm. um Amazing. i know and it's only two of us. Normally, we have another co-host on, and it just gets crazy. <laughs> I adore uh, your co-hosts. What a great cat! They really are. They really are fun, and they're cheap, which is the best part That's about them. That's good. They're, yeah, you know, I like uh, that. They work for they work for coffee. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, awesome. Uh, tell people how to find you. Uh, I will definitely include all the leaks in there. But what's the best yeah. way to get in touch with you and find yourself? So, 
I mean, the, the, the center of the spoke or the center of the wheel, I guess, um, what do you call that? The hub? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is my website, davidlamott.com. And the only trick there is spelling Lamott, which does not have an N in it, strangely. Lots of folks think that it should. Um, lots of folks say oh, Lamont. Oh, Lamont. Oh, yeah, I always get tricked up with, is there an E or not? Yeah, there's an E, right? It's yes. L-A-M-O-T-T-E. It's French, yes. and we love silent letters as French folk, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And, and random capitals in the middle of the word and stuff like that. So That's right. And so, uh, yeah, get over to the website and get onto Patreon, uh, definitely for sure. And then there's a bunch of other links that we'll include uh uh, in the show notes, it is always lovely to have you on, David. I'm, uh, I have uh, deeply appreciated our friendship and what you do Great in the world. Um, nice. You are, you know, genuinely who you are, and uh, it, it's kind kind of one of those folks. I think when people actually meet you, they're like, "Oh yeah, this is who I would expect," and that's <laughs> like that's exactly what. Oh, you know what? I just remembered a David Lamont story. I need to tell. Okay, lay it on me. Lay it on me. Do you remember uh, 2008? You were in San Jose, where I am now. At the when I was elected moderator, do you remember? Where I, do you remember the story? I remember it so clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for those of you that are not involved with the Presbyterian Church USA world, uh, I was elected moderator, which is a big deal to Presbyterians. Yes. Uh, highest elected office, uh, you know this thing, and I think you might have been singing or something at, at breakfast. I was doing a talk. I was doing, you were a, doing a talk. talk. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And so we're standing in line and I was just elected moderator. So I am the center of the world in this place. And this person comes rushing up, ready to shake my hand. And you were standing and it wasn't for me. It was just the best. <laughs> it was like, That's not the story I thought you were going to tell. Oh, is that awesome. that, oh, is that, no, I don't remember that. I remember that distinctly being like, oh, that's oh I'm not the rock star. That's right. <laughs> that's, this guy that's is fun. It, I, was, I, it was, yeah. It was I have had, had that experience from the other side where somebody asked me to take a picture and <laughs> I thought they wanted a picture with me, but they just wanted me to take <laughs> the picture <laughs> of them and somebody else. And it's like, like oh, I don't know who you are. Can you just sure, I can do that. Yeah. Yes. I just remember. <laughs> I was like, you know, head, head big, just like, oh, okay. Yes. That's, let's just... Little perspective, Bruce, you know, uh, oh, but I funny. just remember like, hey, and I'm like, oh, oh not for me. Okay. I'll just <laughs> Bruce, turn it's so good to see you, man. <laughs> and I, I always want to shake your hand and give you a hug. So All right. know, when I come rushing up, it'll be for you. Okay. And, Deal. and I, yeah, I really appreciate the hospitality and the light you're shining in the world. All right. Thanks. Well, thank you all for joining Dave and I today. Uh, You'll hear all the credits at the end of the show. Uh, But again, I really appreciate anybody who goes and subscribes to all the places you listen to your podcast, follow, share, all those things. And uh, again, thanks for listening to BRC and Friends. BRC and Friends was hosted and produced by Bruce Reyes-Chow. Co-hosts were Jorge Bautista, Mickey Scott Bay-Jones, Amy Kim Karemis-Parks, and Laura Monaco Heifetz. And the theme music was composed and recorded by Marissa Magdell-Laron. Please head over to Patreon and toss us a few bucks, and feel free to connect with any of us via the show notes. And lastly, please don't make me beg. Take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to BRC and Friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Until the next episode, thanks for listening to BRC and Friends.